0: Money FM 89.3. Best of drive time. Money MoneyFM 89.3. Good evening. It is drive time. Elliot Danker, Timothy Goen, Trontian, Tim with you. Lots of uh, things to talk about on Market View right now, including companies to watch and electric vehicle maker. Uh, for now, though, a uh, recap of how we started
1: the day. Right, Elliot. So Singapore shares started the week and the day higher today after U.S. equities ended in the green on expectations that uh, interest rate hikes would be paused. So in early trade, we saw the Straits Times Index up 0.3% to 3,100. 197 points after some 34 million securities changed hands in the broader market. Now off to the closing numbers, the benchmark STI closed up 0.29%, we're looking at 3,196 points. In terms of value turnover, that's 829 million Sing dollars. Gainers outnumbered losers, 266 versus 226. Top advances for today: HBL, New Incorporation USD, and DBS. And top decliners, JMH USD, Jardin Cycle and & Carriage, and Delphi. Now, in terms of companies to watch today, we do have new after the EV makers sunk deeper into the red in the first quarter of 2023. And meanwhile, from Qatar's top deal makers getting ready for a spending power boost to UBS completing the acquisition of former rival Credit Suisse and also the US Fed's next move, international headlines continue to be in focus and let's break them down with uh, David Koukouf founder the smart investor mr guo welcome to the show
0: well, thank you very much Jen Jen.
1: how did the sti fare today any surprises when it comes to biggest movers or is it a fairly cold day personally?
0: <laughs> well i think you summed it up pretty well Jen Jen. Uh, we started off uh, on the front foot and we ended up uh, the day on the front foot as well that was partially because of the good showing on uh, Wall Street uh, on Friday, and also because uh, Europe started to move higher today, mm. so there was no reason for anybody here to sell off. And what we noticed today was a whole bunch of real estate investment trusts or REITs, you know, populating the uh, the big gainers for the day. So maybe you might be correct again, but we can talk about that later. You might be right that um, the Federal Reserve will put interest rates on hold this month, but uh, will. Uh, maybe unpack that a bit later on in the show. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, any thoughts on uh, Neo? I mean, they have uh, lost quite a bit of money, I think some 700 million US dollars, but one would argue it's because of uh, poor vehicle sales for the last quarter of 2022. What are your thoughts on this? And also a heavy competition as well. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're not the only player in town. And uh, as we all know, I mean, Tesla is up there as well, and DYD, and uh, Tesla's been cutting prices. So, uh, people who are out there planning to buy a car certainly do do, do have a choice, and um, I think what will happen now is that uh, Neo will have to follow suit as well. They mm-hmm. will also have to start thinking about cutting prices. They're already talking about at the moment that that battery swapping scheme that they had for people who were going out to buy uh, Neo cars. Uh, one of the big bugbears for people is that. Uh, it takes a long time to charge of a battery, and they have this scheme whereby you could drive your Neo car in and then uh, replace your old battery with a new one. But they're saying that for anybody who's buying a new Neo car, uh, that offer won't be available anymore. So they're looking at ways in which they can cut costs and uh, maybe sort of reduce their cash burn and produce some profits for investors. Well, Mr. Quo, I just came back from a country where I saw a lot of BYD cars and SUVs on the road. They are obviously gaining market share aggressively around the world. And we've seen reports saying how Tesla stands to bring in as much as $3 billion as well by 2030. Things with the, mm-hmm. the, their, their deals with Ford and GM. So what happened to Neo, and where did they go wrong? Well, uh, first of all, they haven't got a partnership with uh, General Motors. So, I mean... Uh, that is sort of working against it and I think what we can say Elliot is that we are reaching the stage now where there is a tremendous amount of competition and there will be some weeding out Uh, and just as you know we have seen with the traditional uh, internal combustion engines I mean not all car makers made it in the end and many of the car makers sold to one side so what we're seeing now is uh, the traditional car makers also moving into the electric vehicle arena and Maybe some of these startups, I'm I'm, I'm not trying to sort of say that uh, NEO or BYD or any of them are actually going to go to the wall, but uh, there is going to be heavy competition and those who are going to run out of cash, but maybe not be the ones who will survive at the end. And. uh, it is a case of the fittest will survive,
1: Elliot. Mm, uh, that was Timothy Go, by the way. I think uh, David
0: doesn't remember me. When did you get back? to Singapore? You, you, you haven't been you haven't been around for months, and then suddenly you spring this on me. And say that so, uh, Timothy is here. Hello, <laughs> Timothy. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I've been back for a week.
1: So, uh, Mr. Ko, let's uh, stay in China for. Just a bit, okay. and you know, New. In fact, you talked about slashing prices. It has started slashing prices on all of its models by about five thousand Sing dollars. The question is, do you think New is too late into the game?
0: Well, I, I don't think it's ever too late to cut prices, but you need to be prepared for mm-hmm. it. And uh, if they are going to cut prices, if they don't make it up with the volume sales then, of course, they're going to end up with lower revenue. Yeah. And if they're already making a loss now, then uh, they were going to have to start looking at cost-cutting. And maybe you know, that might mean uh, less in terms of uh, advertising and promotion, maybe less in terms of uh, uh, the labor force that they have. So uh, it, it is going to be a tough time, I think, for all the electric vehicle makers. Uh, as I said earlier on, mm. this is no longer a, a one-horse race where Tesla was the only player in town now we've actually sort of got many players that are out there and it will be very much a case of the fittest will survive and so as an investor i would be very wary about putting my money into any of these companies just as i was very wary about putting money into the old traditional car makers as well because they are very heavily geared Mm -hmm. uh really not in terms of financial gearing but operational gearing it takes an awful lot of money to uh build a car plant Once you've got that car park plant there, it costs an awful lot to run it and you've got to sell the volume of cars. If you don't, then you'll go the same way as many of the, say, uh, British car makers went. You know, British Leyland, all those old names of the past have all disappeared. So maybe the same thing may happen to the electric vehicle uh, arena.
1: If you're just tuning in, we're now speaking to David Kuo, co-founder of The Smart Investor. And from China, let's turn our attention to Europe, Mr Kuo. UBS completing that acquisition of former rival Credit Suisse. Now, the question is, which units will it integrate? Which units will it cut? Any inkling as to what's next for Credit Suisse, especially as uh, as far as its investment banking business and Swiss domestic businesses are concerned?
0: Right. I, I think, you know, it's already been pretty well flagged at the moment that mm. uh, the domestic banking business within Switzerland will probably be kept simply because of that large network of uh, bank branches that they have. And of course, if you are a customer uh, of any bank, uh, you, mm. you have this special relationship with that particular bank and you don't really want to go to somewhere else. So I think the domestic banking side uh, will remain. Mm. Uh, the investment banking side is the one that causes a few problems. But here's a question for you, Tian Tian. Mm. If you roll a chocolate, right? Okay. If you roll a chocolate in mud, what do you end up with?
1: Chocolate. You can't really tell the difference, isn't it?
0: Well, well, you end up with mud, don't you? Yeah, and You, you, you don't want to put it in your mouth, do yeah. you? Yeah, yeah. so uh, this is the problem that UBS has. I mean, UBS has always been a fine, upstanding bank. Mm. Credit Suisse, on the other hand, has been plagued with um, a lot of controversies in the past. Now you're actually putting a good bank, UBS, together with Credit Suisse, a not-so-good bank. And the big danger, of course, is that you're going to taint the good bank. And this is something that UBS has to be very careful of. It needs to make sure that the culture that it that it has had mm-hmm. previously, uh, uh, what some might say a very conservative culture, won't be tainted by uh, the new bank. Uh, sorry, the Credit Suisse side, uh, which mm-hmm. tends to be slightly more aggressive and maybe a little bit on the maverick side. So it needs to be very, very careful of that. And of course, previously a lot of the customers. Uh, wealthy customers would have money in both banks. Mm. Now, of course, you only have one bank. And so, therefore, those customers will say, if I want to diversify my risk, I will need to actually choose the new UBS plus somebody else. Mm -hmm. So maybe it will be some of the Singapore banks that might benefit. So one name that stands out could be DBS, for instance, Mm. where some of the customers will want to move their money to DBS. So uh, it's going to be interesting times, I think, you know, for UBS and this integration, and it won't be smooth. And of course, the, the new boss has already said it will be very bumpy.
1: Mm. And elsewhere, Mr. Co, Saudi Aramco has reportedly told at least five customers in North Asia that they will receive full-nominated volumes of crude oil in July, and that's after it pledged to cut production next month. What do you make of this? Is this a case of you know um, refiners demanding uh, lower volumes of oil? Are there any underlying concerns on the demand side?
0: Slowdown in economic activity around the world. Mm. In other words, we're going to be going into some kind of recession. Uh, whether we actually get a technical recession is a different matter altogether, but I think what we can say is that uh, the global economy is going to slow down. If the global economy slows down, it means that we need need less oil, and so therefore that is probably why it's cutting production at the moment, in order to try and sort of push up prices Mm. a bit. Now, um, it wants to supply as much oil as it can, and it also knows that probably China will require less oil, Mm. and so uh, if it's got some Countries over here in Asia that requires oil, it's saying that it will be from whatever they want, and uh, then uh, whatever is left behind uh, will be shared amongst those who require, who require oil, and that will then satisfy uh, Saudi Aramco.
1: So let's stay in the Middle East. The roughly 450 billion US dollars Qatar Investment Authority is targeting more investment in new frontiers like tech and healthcare and is looking beyond traditional hunting grounds in Europe. So that means increased spending in Asia and the US. What opportunities does that present for Singapore then, Mr. Cole?
0: I think a tremendous amount. Uh, Mm. And I think, you know, Singapore is very very innovative. The other thing, Tian Tian, we have to remember is that. Uh, the amount of cash uh, that used to be available, particularly through, say, the, uh, the Federal Reserve, is going to be reduced simply because of this quantitative tightening that the Federal Reserve keeps on talking about. So there's going to be less liquidity around the place. And this is where um, uh, sovereign wealth funds uh, mm-hmm. will be able to sort of step in and provide that uh, that liquidity because they have so much cash at the moment that they need to deploy so uh, is Singapore going to be a beneficiary? I would say yes, uh, mm. simply because of the number of um, uh, private equity funds that we have here in Singapore. So mm. uh, they, they will be more than willing to sort of take the money uh, and redeploy it into various uh, investments, uh, various um, uh, enterprises that are available. I think uh, the money will also be deployed in the rest of Southeast Asia as well. So infrastructure projects is something that, um, uh, sovereign wealth funds like to invest in simply because of the long-term nature of these kind of investments. So, yeah, I think it's good news for everybody, Ken Ken.
1: Hmm. And before we let you go, Mr. Kuo, all eyes on the Fed's next move later this week over in the US. Do you expect any surprises or is it more or less set in stone that the Fed will stay put this time and hike 25 BPS in July?
0: Well, everybody thinks that they're going to be uh, pressing the pause button. Hmm. Uh, But the question I have is, what is the difference between a pause and a skip? So maybe Timothy or Elliot might like to step in. I mean, what is the difference between a pause and a skip? And uh, the analogy would be, if you had Spotify, if you pause, right, do you go back and play the track again or do you actually sort of jump to the next track, in which case you might just as well have skipped, yeah? And so uh, if we go back to uh, the Federal Reserve, what are they likely to do? I would prefer them to I would I would really prefer them to hike interest rates this month simply because inflation is still pretty strong so we won't know until we get the next set of CPI figures uh, which will be due out tomorrow and that will give us a pretty good idea as to which direction the Fed will go but uh, I'm I'm going to be uh, the lone voice in the crowd and I will say that the Federal Reserve is more than likely to increase interest rates on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Pausing just leaves everyone hanging, right? You never know when they're going to play it again. Is that you, Elliot? Or is, that, or is it Tim? <laughs> <laughs> it's Tim. <laughs> it's you, Tim. <laughs> right, okay. okay. So wait, if you have your Spotify on or, or, or any kind of um, um, medium where you can actually play music, right? I can pause and forget and play it again tomorrow. So, you know, that's what I mean.
1: Oh, the okay, music so doesn't change, right? Yeah. But if you skip, the music changes. It's a, the, the environment yeah. that you're in changes, mm-hmm. right?
0: But don't you lose the mood, though. I mean, if you actually play, yeah. if, you, if you press pause, you don't really want to go back and hear the song again, do you? Mm. Because you'll be halfway through the song, right? Mm-hmm. So if you don't want to hear it, then just skip it, right? And go to the next track. So I think this is going to be pretty much the case for the Federal Reserve. If they pause, they could end up in the same situation as the Reserve Bank of Australia and the Bank of Canada. They paused and then they suddenly went back and they had to increase interest rates again. And it shocked everybody. So wouldn't it be better just to increase interest rates mm. if you think that inflation is out of control? And inflation at 5% in the U.S. is definitely a lot higher than the 2% target. So why would they, why would they even bother pausing?
1: Okay, thanks a lot, Mr. cool I know, I know, we, we don't like to, we like to skip, by I guess we have to pause this conversation for now oh, and and uh, continue that next Monday. Thanks a lot. That was Mr. <laughs> Ko, David Ko, co-founder, the Smart Investor. Thank you very much for joining us on Money FM eighty nine point three. Thank you. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.